Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. Recent studies in the burgeoning field of behavioral economics show that people consistently fail to make choices that they know are good for them. For example, everyone knows that it's probably bad to eat the Twinkie and probably good to start saving for retirement. We just have trouble doing what we know is good for us because we don't like to deter gratification. Is libertarian paternalism the answer, or is it just another name for a growing nanny state? Cato policy analyst Will Wilkinson has some interesting answers. Is libertarian paternalism a contradiction? Well, let me tell you what uh, libertarian paternalism is supposed to be. In the 2003 American Economic Review, uh, Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein published a paper uh, by that name, Libertarian Paternalism. And the idea that they had was that there are some paternalistic policies that don't require uh, any coercion. What they had in mind were things like you're a restaurant owner and you realize that people will eat too many desserts if the dessert cart is right by the table, so you move the dessert cart to the back end of the restaurant, and that'll prevent people from eating too much dessert. And they call that libertarian paternalism. But it's just a confusing use of the words. Uh, there's nothing paternalistic about creating the boundaries of choices in a way that doesn't interfere with people's autonomy. The definition of paternalism is an interference with somebody's liberty or autonomy for their own good. If it doesn't interfere with their uh, liberty or autonomy in any way, it's really not paternalistic. How does soft paternalism then differ from hard paternalism, where your choices are definitely made for you by the government? The idea of libertarian paternalism is related to soft paternalism. The idea is that you're going to set the default choices or uh, frame the terms of choices in a way that's going to incline people to do uh, what is in their interest. An example of a uh, soft paternalistic policy would be for an employer to default people into a 401k account. The rate at which people will choose to voluntarily sign up for a 401k plan if they're not defaulted into it is much lower than the number of people who will stay in the plan if they're put into it by default. And so that's a case where just by changing the default rule, you get quite a different outcome, a big difference in how much money people are saving in their 401k accounts. Now, that kind of proposal, again, I object to the use of the word paternalism. The classical notion of paternalism is that it's an interference with somebody's autonomy or liberty for their own good. Now, if it's the case that choosing one rule over another or one set of terms over another will incline people to make different choices, in neither case is that a uh, interference with people's freedom or autonomy. By definition, those kinds of choices aren't paternalistic. Anytime you're choosing a public policy, you have to take human psychology into account and choose the set of rules that are going to lead to the best outcomes. So what is wrong with a soft paternalism that allows people to voluntarily outsource, so to speak, their decision-making to the government? Well, uh, a good example of outsourcing your decision-making to the government is a policy in uh, Missouri where gamblers are able to put their names voluntarily on a list that bans them from entering uh, riverboat casinos. And the choice is irrevocable. Once you've put your name on the list, you can't choose to take it off. So the state is helping you make a commitment to not going into a gambling establishment. What's wrong with that? That's an interesting question. In the first instance, 
by putting government in a position to rearrange all the incentives in a way that's leading people to do what's best for them, you're taking the burden off individuals. Their deliberation isn't as important to the process as it otherwise is. In effect, the government is making a choice for them, and that has an infantilizing effect over time. People need to be responsible for their choices in order to sort of build the virtues of character that are necessary for being a responsible adult and a free society. But moreover, as uh, Ed Glazer, an economist at Harvard, has pointed out, once you get the government into the business of looking at all this psychological research and tweaking the incentives one way or the other in order to get people to do one thing rather than another, then you've actually put a fairly powerful weapon into the hands of the government. And government has never proven itself incredibly reliable in eschewing power once it's given to them. Government is filled with exactly the same kind of imperfect people who make irrational choices. And it's just unreasonable to expect the government to be more efficient at using its information than individuals are. They're not rational, forward-looking decision-makers either. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.